Hey guys, Bill here. Thank you very much for checking out today's podcast, this particular episode. I sat down with Tasha Grossel of Lady Grey Medibles. Uh, she's a really awesome woman who owns a really cool company that makes high-quality edibles in uh, the lovely state of Alaska. We talked about some of the issues facing the edible industry in Alaska, uh, as well as the cannabis industry in general. They are a cultivator as well as an edible maker, and they spend a lot of money on testing their products, and we kind of go into why the edible industry or why the edibles cost so much in the state of Alaska at a retail level. So uh, sit down, enjoy this episode, and uh, yeah, if there's anything that, or, or there's anyone that you think that I should talk to and have a conversation with, send me a message at wokenbakedpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is wokenbakedpodcast at gmail.com. We also have the mixed cast, or I also have the mixed cast, and I will provide a link to that at some point. You can check that out. All right, a quick solid mention of our supporters, Iron Asylum Jim here in lovely Soldatna, Alaska. You should check them out on Instagram at Iron Asylum AK. Uh, also check them out on Facebook. You can see what they're about. I think that they are the finest training facility in all of the land. If um, they are, if you're interested in a place to lift, uh, that uh, is just a really cool environment. This is a really cool environment. And if you hear a dog barking in the background, that's toothless. And he's awesome, but he's also obnoxious. All right. Also, big solid shout out to Dave and Seth over at 5150 Vapes. Also, just a heads up, coming October 27th at Four Royal Parkers, Distance Defined Live. All right. That is a pregame to... The Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is also happening October 27th at the Orca Theater. And that is brought to you by the Far North Derby, folks. So, shout out to the Far North Derby. Shout out to a big solid shout out to Distance Defined. And uh, big solid I heart you out to 5150 Vapes. And uh, the biggest of hearts out, too, and stuff. All right. Iron Asylum. Should sure check them out. Be sure you go there to get your vitamins. Be sure you get the go there to get your supplements, uh, your pre workouts, and the stuff. Be sure to get all of that stuff there because they have all of that stuff available. They also have the coolest, most comfortable hoodies on the planet. Uh, they've got they come from a brand called Independent. I am wearing one right now. You can see it on my Instagram page, or you can go check out Iron Asylum's Instagram page and you can see what their logo looks like. They're really good looking hoodies. They've also got the it's probably just steroids T-shirt as well as loved AK uh, clothing line as well. Uh, located at Iron Asylum. Be sure to tell them that you heard about them from the podcast. Not that I get anything back, but it just lets him know that you're listening. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, enjoy the podcast. Have a good one. All right. Trap Lord Circuit, take it away.
first, could you introduce yourself, uh, say your name, spell it, and give me the name of your company? Sure. Um, Tasha Grossel with Lady Grey Gourmet Medibles and Growing. It's T-A-S-H-A-G-R-O-S-S-L. Lady Grey is L-A-D-Y-G-R-A-Y. All right. So how did you get uh, involved in the medibles industry? Well, I guess it started a few years ago. Um, some things just kind of piqued my interest with edibles, and um, I wanted to learn more about it, so I kind of dove into that, and that kind of led to finding reasons why people were interested in edibles. Um, a lot of it was in the medical community with um, having reasons to not be smoking or vaping, things like that. Um, and so as I dove into that, it was coming up with recipes that um, people were going to be able to use as far as, you know, a daily basis, things like that, um, cutting out some sugar, going with organic ingredients when we can, um, things like that. And then just as I kind of learned about doing that and, and implemented it, uh, people were surprised, and I got a lot of really positive feedback about that, not being available elsewhere, and people weren't doing it um, with the same approach we were. So um, that just pushed me forward, uh, inspired me to try to get into this as a full-fledged business and live and breathe it every day. Okay. First, how important has it been to find the right ingredients as far as for, say, a cookie and finding the right strain to mix with, say, that particular product? Yeah, that's that's a big, big deal that um, we spend a lot of time and energy on all the time um, as things change, as... Um, different things come up and are available you know we're always trying to experiment a little bit and see you know what's going to complement that um with the cannabis flavor we look to pair things with it um espresso chocolate orange different things like that that work well with the mild flavor and um, because of regulations you know with the five milligrams per serving um that really helps keep taste more prevalent than oh it tastes like cannabis um so that's been been nice to work with um as far as that goes um a lot of things are trial and error, you know, with um, with strains and how they um, work in the concentrates that we use, um, the coconut oil and the um, organic clarified butter, um, you know, that goes along with that. And, yeah, a lot of it is um, trial and error. And uh, luckily, as part of the licensing process taking so long, um, we had a lot of time for that um, before, you know, going online. So okay. that worked well. Um, how important has it been for you to find the right team, the right people to, to work with and, and keep Lady Grey running as, a, as an entity. Oh yeah, well that was, that was important from the beginning. Um, everybody that I work with, um, I've known at least 10 years. Um, some people longer, Danielle here, we've been friends since we were, uh, since I was about 16 years old. Um, and same with Autumn, um, we've been friends since we were 12. And Autumn's little sister, <laughs> who I also grew up with. Um, yeah, it's very important, you have a trust issue. Um, you know, we're very big on our brand being represented a certain way, and um, all these girls live that, so it's not a, a far reach. They don't have to pretend to be a certain way because um, because they work here. You know, it's just it all it all fit together really well, and that was part of why I was how I was comfortable in moving forward because I didn't want partners. You know, I wanted this to just to just be my thing and to be in control of it. And so, you know, having a good team from the get go was very very important. Okay. Um, now, you guys grow, you gals, you find folks, mm-hmm. um, you lady peoples, also grow uh, your flower as well. Mm-hmm. Now, who is, uh, who's your primary cultivator? Are you um, yeah, well, I have a, a lead cultivation team of a husband and wife. Um, okay. He's a veteran, and um, 
he, they've been very um, influential in all of this and having the same, um, you know, when we first started talking about um, pairing up and having him in charge of that, um, we had to make sure that we, you know, had the same values um, and same desire to grow a naturally clean product. Um, so that was a really big deal. And um, being flexible, you know, it's such a new industry, trying to figure out what's going to work best um, for that situation. And we've been fluid, you know, as... Um, things have come up with strains. Um, we have a high interest in CBD strains. And so, you know, growing those out and um, working with that on that end um, has been very important that we do have the same vision, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. But he works a lot with the logistics of um, figuring out how to make it happen. So that's also that, that trust issue there. So, Okay. Um, do you have a particular strain that you enjoy? Uh, well, I really love the Moonshine Ghost Train Haze. That was okay. kind of my call from the beginning, um, and that's really powered through as um, one of our favorite sativas to grow. Okay. Um, yeah, I just I've really enjoyed the the way that it grows. I've enjoyed the smell, the flavor. Um, being able to produce it in a rosin has been really great. The terpenes um, are usually really stellar with that. Um, yeah, she just hasn't hasn't done me wrong yet. So yeah, okay. that's one of my favorites. But I enjoy trying lots of different things. Um, I enjoy mixing up the CBD ratios um, with some of like the Bubba Kush CBD kind of has that one-to-one. Um, but then we've got a new one coming out that I'm really excited to try. Um, that's a CBD amnesia okay. and it's testing out about 5% THC and 12% CBD. Okay. So yeah, trying to just kind of um, decide what works for me personally and, um, you know, implement that as far as daytime, nighttime. What am I looking for? Is it for, you know, like athletic recovery? Um, you know, things like that. And I think that we're getting to a place now where, where people are becoming more conscious. At least the consumers are, are becoming more educated in knowing that, okay, this is a sativa, but this isn't just a sativa. This sort of thing is more uh, more more uh, associated with mental focus mm-hmm. uh, rather than, I don't know, an athletic achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, people are becoming more educated and so oh yeah absolutely um, and it's it's coming down to what you read and what you research and then who you talk to you know in the community that has read something somewhere else that you know you can take to your own account and go and do your own research like just for me personally the whole sativa indica i find that even sativas um really kind of have more of an indica effect on myself um you know so yeah it's just comes down to personal preference and what it does for you. Okay. Um, if we could talk a little bit about the, uh, the AIMA, mm-hmm. um, the Alaska Association. Marijuana Industry. Alaska Marijuana yeah. Industry Association. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did, uh, well, first off, what is the AIMA? What do they do? And how are they serving the industry? Well, um, as far as I know, they are trying to um, rally everyone, you know, on a state level to help uh, come together and make position statements that go to um, the Marijuana Control Board and to legislatures um, that um, can help move um, some things for us in a positive way, whether it be taxes, regulation, uh, CBD stances, things like that. They've been good about um, coming out with those things. So I'm excited to be a part of the local chapter. Um, Some really great people have gotten involved. And, um, you know, it's just starting, but I'm excited about that. And, you know, we've kind of got some of our own agenda items that may not necessarily align with um, the state, but bringing it to the state and being able to have some conversation about that and open it up um, as far as, you know, really representing the Kenai Peninsula because there's so many people here um, that are important um, to the whole state's production level. Um, I'm excited to see those conversations happen. I agree. I think personally, like as a consumer, Mm -hmm. the the biggest hindrance is – the $800 excise tax 
regardless of, of where the cannabis rates. It could be mm-hmm. uh, 25% or it could be 9%. And I think that there's a, a place in retail for all of that in between. Mm-hmm. But it's you're hard-pressed to find some uh, a retailer who's going to be interested in buying that 9%. When they're spending eight or when uh, when eight hundred dollars of that is being eaten up by taxes, absolutely. So it, right. you know, then it becomes a wash, or you have to try and get it blasted and, and turned into uh, um, a concentrate, mm-hmm. um, which th- they just kind of changed the tax on. I don't fully mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. Could you explain the the concentrate tax change that goes into effect on the first of January? Well, I couldn't give a stab at it. Um, okay. we, it actually just was was released a couple of days ago. Um, so that it used to be that everything that was considered a, everything was considered a mature bud. So you had that $800 tax on it. Well, now they've given some tiers, and one of the tiers down um, cuts the tax rate in half for wispy or um, lower quality bud that would be probably more useful in you know either pre rolls depending on what retailers are doing with that or um, having uh, turned into concentrates. Okay. So do you think that the Marijuana Control Board has been uh, receptive to some of the issues that have been brought up? Um, I think so, for the most part. Um, it's hard to know exactly who they're listening to. There's a lot of different viewpoints, you know, that go into that. Um, with the tax structure, it is it is difficult, you know, because on the side of the cultivators, we'll now, when we go to do our trimming and everything, um, we're not just trimming, you know, for bud and trim. Now we're trimming for... Bud, not so good bud, trim, you know, it does um, put a burden on us as far as, um, you know, separating all that out, weighing it all out, putting it all in metric, um, you know, all the different ways. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. It feels like there's going to be some good things that come out of it, um, you know, so it's certainly not, not at 100%. Um, everyone's going to be happy with it, but um, I think it'll be a positive change. And I think that'll help us get closer to really making some bigger changes that will, you know, steady and help um, level the industry out. What do you think some of those big changes are? Well, I would like to see, I think at this point so far, um, a percentage tax maybe on retail. Um, but I still have some more homework to do, you know, on that. I'm interested in that. I'd like to talk to um, Patricia over at Highbush. I know she's got some insight to that as well. Um, but, you know, from that side too, so when we sell an edible, they'll actually be paying tax on the flour that we put in the edible, the oil that we use in the edible, you know, other things like that, rather than just the marijuana. Um, but as far as it being easier to track and to take care of, you know, that might be a benefit that would outweigh the negative on that. So, yeah, but I, I'm looking forward to doing some more homework myself. Okay. Uh, one of the issues that, that I've heard as a consumer regarding edibles is mm-hmm. the cost. Can we kind of break down? Because I've seen... I personally have seen breakdowns from mm-hmm. cultivators, and, uh, and and I have a kind of understanding of some of those costs. But if mm-hmm. you could break down your costs specifically. <laughs> I can try, um, right. <clears throat> because this is our first year of business, so we are actually, even just this month, um, diving into some more of the financials um, that I'm able to have some more time to spend on um, at this point. So, yeah, I mean, you have to think of it as kind of an umbrella. Um, we have, obviously, labor and... Um, those labor costs as far as keeping the girls here in the kitchen. And then, you know, we not just have our ingredient costs and we try to um, buy local when we can, but there's some ingredients, um, organic chocolate being one of them, soy free, fair traded, you know, things like that, that, that are difficult and expensive um, to get here. Of course, everyone in Alaska, I think deals with shipping costs. 
um, that can can be be a drag. So we're constantly always trying to negotiate those and order, you know, as much as we can at a time, so that you know that that helps that price come down a little bit too. Um, but then we have all the packaging, <laughs> all the labeling, all those things. Um, we we do all of that in house because um, I don't see a way that we could feasibly outsource that. Um, so I had to learn a lot about um, <laughs> computers in a short amount of time, which luckily uh, that all played out. But um, yeah, so every batch has a specific label associated to it. Like what she's putting on there, those labels, um, you know, that's a specific batch um, with those chocolates. So if we say have um, 2,000 packages that go with that batch, well then we have to keep everything um, completely separate in the next batch. Okay. And that gets a different package label situation. Um, our packaging right now, since we've uh, since we first opened, has all been um, in exit bags, child safety exit bags, which is another huge expense. Um, we do have some things coming up for at the next meeting um, that hopefully we'll be switching to a less expensive um, mylar bag without these extra safety protection locks on there. Um, so that will help, um, you know, kind of lower some of that um, on our end. So I'm excited about that, and it's easier to get. There's difficulty with the childproof bags as far as almost everything comes from China, and um, some of the, almost all of the U.S. distributors have um, like quit carrying the certain size that we use. Yeah. So then what? You know, everything has to be approved through the Railroad Control Board. You know, things like that. So luckily, we kind of saw that coming and, and have some things in play to to offset that. Um, but yeah, then um, after the the baking, we've got all the baking, the calculations, and things that we have to do with that. Sending it up for testing, um, you know, it costs anywhere from $150 to $200 to get our products up to testing. And then um, every test, a test is required every day that we do a batch. And, um, you know, that can range anywhere from $400 to $800 um, for that as well. So, you know, those costs have to be spread out over, you know, each package that you sell um, type of thing too. And then we have, um, you know, we do delivery um, and then the way that you have to transport manifest that, the delivery expense um, to have uh, someone able to do that that has a handler card. You know, most of the time we do that in-house. I like to make that connection with retailers um, when I'm in town, which is great. But, you know, our delivery days to Anchorage can be 16-hour days. Um, really easy. So, it's, you know, that's, that's a tricky part, too, that can't be, can't be neglected. Um, yeah, all the other... All the other things that go into it, of course, the product, um, you know, luckily we, we are happy to grow most of what we put in our edibles. And so, you know, that's a little different. But if I'm, you know, buying trim from someone else, um, you know, we've got those different expenses. And, of course, just because <laughs> we're growing it, obviously there's still expense um, incurred next door. But um, we have those pretty well, uh, you know, tied down. That's kind of an overview. There's a lot to it <laughs> as far as all the different facets. But So that was the short answer. <laughs> Um, so another question, well, this has kind of been a staple of, uh, of your products for, for a hot minute now, has been the art. Oh, yeah. Good. Okay, who, who's doing your I art? I wish she was here. She just left on a, on a family trip. Um, her name's Diana. She's amazing. Another friend um, that we've, we've known for a long time. And she's always just been a very creative person. She's very positive. Um, we love having her around. But she was, you know, just like, hey, let's do this or let's do that with the logo and the marketing. Um, I've always appreciated that end of it as well. And, um, you know, trying to build a brand for us so, so that people can get an idea of what we're about, you know, by some of those things right off the bat um, with visuals. So, yeah, she's been great. We can throw together ideas. She gives us proofs. We work on it from there. 
Um, and yeah, we just got a new, um, this new sticker, the Moonshine Ghost Train Haze, um, with that strain. And we have a Skywalker OG with the, the astronaut you're familiar with. By the way, it's probably Fun. my favorite sticker. Yeah. Uh, that, that or the guest services bear. Yeah, yeah, there but. you go. Yep. So we'll have some hoodies and some kind of fun things coming out with that stuff down the line. I'm just really picky about material and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm not rushing on that. I want to make sure that, that we love what we're distributing. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, how much product testing goes into, uh, like a, I don't know, a cookie before you release it? Uh, okay. Well, so. How does that work? Yeah. So there's a chain of command um, as far as it comes from the grow um, over here, whatever um, product, if it's trim, bud, whatever we're using to infuse our coconut oil or butter. So that's already been tested before it can be transferred. Once it's transferred over, then um, we cook it down. And um, like so with our coconut oil, then once we've made it, then we have another test that goes up that also um, gives us numbers and everything that we need to go further down the line. So that's the second test. And now um, the next test, when we actually cook with it, um, that's the, the validation that we did everything correctly, and it passes that, that other test. So it's a few weeks um, before even making anything that you can actually put it on the market, which was a big push for us um, in finding recipes and ingredients and things that freeze well, because we freeze everything the day that we make it, and um, then it's a pretty quick thaw because they're, you know, they're in four separate pieces. It's a pretty quick thaw for the customer, and also that's a nice way to keep it on hand. You can keep it in your freezer. Um, our stuff has expiration dates of about six months, um, and by freezing it, that locks in the moisture um, because a lot of our cookies are meant to be a soft cookie. Um, same with like the almond joyfuls and things. But um, anyway, by freezing them, they're not drying out. Uh, they keep that fresh baked flavor. Same with the granola. It doesn't taste anything like you buy at the store um, that's been on the shelves. We don't add any preservatives. We don't do anything to extend shelf life. So it's a little more uh, trouble, I think, for the retailers to you know have those freezers dedicated and things um, you know to keep our products in, which we're really appreciative of. But um, the bottom line is, it's it's just it's better for the consumer. So uh, over the the summer, mm-hmm. is it a good summer? Good. Absolutely, okay. yeah. Well, it's our first summer, so okay. yes. <laughs> um, last summer, I was struggling with still trying to go through the license processing, and you know, having a lot of frustrations with that. So it felt really amazing and 100% different this summer compared to last summer. Can we talk a little bit about uh, some of the the licensing and uh, mm-hmm. some of the process that goes into that? I I have people who have been waiting for well more than the the 45 days. For... I don't know anybody that's done it inside the 45 days. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, we were into licensing well over a year, as most people, um, it seems to be. And it seems to be slowing down, unfortunately, with more applications being filed and things like that. Um, it is very misleading to hear 45 to 90 days about an approval, because how are you going to know? I mean, I didn't have a lot. I, I didn't have any connections or networking inside the industry when I started. So that was a big surprise to me. And that's what I thought. How do people do this? Like, I feel very fortunate that we own the building. But if I was paying rent... For nothing for a year or so I mean that's a huge hit um, and that it's very unfortunate I hope that um, they get some more staff on I do intend to write a letter petitioning for that that seems to be what I've been told is going to be most effective so we'll see has there been uh, to your knowledge any uh, any movement on as far as hiring more people or bringing in contractors or something to that nature I haven't heard of anything about that yet um, but like I said, I, I intend to, to write a letter, and I'm happy to share some feedback with you about who says what and where it goes. All right. Uh, if you could change one of the two things, if you could affect one thing first, would it be the $800 excise tax, or would it be 
uh, how quickly the licensing process goes. Hmm. I would say, I guess I would lean towards the tax, not to be selfish, but obviously that would affect me the most um, personally, but also the industry. I, I think that the prices, it, it will be good to see the prices be more competitive um, for consumers and for end users, um, and a, a big stride towards strengthening the legal market. Where do you see the legal market in five years? Do you have uh, anything specific that you have your eye on? Not to like, not to give away like the whole sure. like plan. Oh yeah, no. I, I think people have a hard time. You know, we have aspirations, but it's hard to really make any concrete plans or be tied to one one way of doing something because there's so many changes and there's so many people and departments involved. Um, so we've from the get go have kind of tried to keep a flexible. Um, outlook on things, you know, knowing this is our foundation and, you know, this is what our brand is, but how are we going to fit into the different areas? You know, even just like with the concentrates, um, all we do is rosin. Um, you know, so just trying to be aware of, um, you know, what's coming down the line. I'm just excited to see more people um, give it a chance, I think. Um, I think they're more open to, like my, my parents in particular, they don't, they don't live here, but um, they live in a non-legal state, unfortunately, but um, living in a legal state, just knowing them, you know, they're in their late 60s, and they would absolutely be comfortable walking into a dispensary and, and trying something, you know, for the first or whatever time, um, but they wouldn't be comfortable, you know, doing that elsewhere, so I'm excited to see that kind of bring a new wave of people um, into all of it. Okay. Um, now, what do you think about, uh, what are your thoughts on, on concentrates personally? Like, I, I do believe that they are the, the future of mm -hmm. the, the cannabis industry. I think that anytime that uh, you, you can suck out all of the, the, the benefits, all of, as many terpenes as you can, mm -hmm. as, as long as you can suck out as much uh, medication as you can, you mm -hmm. know, I, I really do think that, that that's going to be the, the way of the future. But mm -hmm. do you think it's going to be ingestion? Do you think it's going to be for smoking? I mean, like... What are your thoughts on concentrates? I think that's, yeah, I think that they're an important um, an important aspect of the industry. I think they've got a lot of love from, you know, a lot of people. Um, and I think it's great that all these different variations are available on the market so people can try for themselves and decide what they like, what they don't like, do the homework on what's in it, what's not in it. Um, you know, yeah, I think it's great. Um, and I'm, I'm newer to, to enjoying rosin and everything, too. Um, and that's been great. That's, you know, it's another method. Um, you know, it can be cleaner. It can be more discreet, <clears throat> things like that. Um, you know, you can carry more with you, um, all those things that, that make it, you know, just kind of like another tool in your box. Yeah. All right. Yeah, um, now, I've had your cheese. I, I enjoyed the cheese, Raza. Oh, great. Share that with friends. Nice. Uh, do you have, uh, or do, do any of you ladies have, like, a particular favorite rosin? Yeah. All of them love Ross. They're all just, I wish you could see it. They're all here high-fiving each other silently. Actually, it's very loud, but the pre-production helped get rid of all the, the ambient noise. But it's, uh, it's essentially, it's a riot here. They're flipping over cars and starting fires. Just, just kidding. They're, they're really nice. Um, okay, so as far as, um, as, far as uh, your ingredients, like how do you, how do you pick who you're, you're going to go through. Now, you've already gone, you've mentioned that you go fair trade, uh, you, you go as, as clear conscience across the board as possible, mm -hmm. um, but how do you decide which companies you're going to do long-term business with? Or have you, do you have any, any companies that you are currently in long-term relationships with? Mm -hmm. Yep, we've, um, we've got a great distributor for the, um, 
for our chocolate, which is an important ingredient because we use it in a, across the board, you know, in a lot of products. Um, same with some of our um, dried fruit. We've got some um, really reputable businesses. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's been shipping issues where I've just called and say, hey, what can I do to, to make this better? You know, this is 30% of the price of the product. Uh, that's not acceptable. We need to get closer to 10 or, you know, something that is going to work. And um, a number of them I've been really impressed have come through and said, hey, let me do some homework on that, throw it to their shipping department, get a better price figured out. And then they say, okay, if you'll buy a pallet at a time or whatever, you know, we can, we can bring that down. So um, that's just trial and error, too, and reaching out. It doesn't ever hurt to ask, I feel like. Okay. Um, you know, and finding companies that are willing to work, it's, that's that whole relationship building, um, you know, that I'm fond of, too. So. Now, have you uh, received any sort of feedback or any kind of any, any negative feedback on what you're doing in the industry? Um, a little bit here and there, but um, the positive definitely outweighs the negative. You know, you never know where people are coming from with their feedback necessarily. Um, so I try not to put uh, too much too much weight into that you know I'll check it out and think of how does that apply you know is that is that a valid concern or point um, and if it is you know I try to be honest I discuss it with the team and um, you know we try to be honest and look at it from an honest viewpoint okay well this would be better if we did it this way or this would be better and then you know we implement them that way we've done that with retailers you know if they've got certain things that makes it easier for them um, you know we try to work with them we try to be adaptable to case sizes to storage, to helping them, um, you know, kind of lay out what's moving faster, what's not, um, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, can I ask you a food question? Sure. Okay. So, cooking uh, has been described as art, baking as science. Yeah. How do you manage waste? I mean, you're, you're dealing with very specific numbers, uh, but you're making larger quantities of cookies than the average person mm -hmm. is. Um, how do you... Uh, how do you avoid waste? What do you? I mean, how do you manage waste, especially if you know it, it, you've already maybe added uh, the the product that you spent so much money getting tested? Yes, Is that just absolutely. A wash? Yeah, um, no, we do that by um, very carefully going into the things that we do, and we've already practiced them every which way from Sunday before we bring them in here and put them into practice. Um, luckily, I can say we really don't. We really haven't had an issue with that. Um, one thing that does narrow our focus is any kind of manufacturing facility, you have paperwork and you have everything that has to be turned in and approved by the board. So even if I were to say, oh, I want to develop this new recipe for XYZ, I can't just start making that, obviously. I have to submit the paperwork, which can take a couple of weeks. You have to know the labeling of the package, what's in it, and the ingredients, how you're going to do it. All that kind of stuff has to be laid out. They have to approve it. Again, timeline, it could take anywhere from six weeks to longer, even just to approve a product. And then, you know, once it's approved, then we can put it into production. But yeah, you're looking at a, I wouldn't ever anticipate any less than three months from when I would submit a new product, which I'm excited we're getting ready to do um, in December. So, you know, have some, some different things um, coming down the line. But yeah, there is that process. So that does slow you down. So we are very focused on, you know, the nine products or so that we have on the market now. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, do you have a favorite uh, product yourself that uh, well, you, know, you find folks Well, you know, they're all my favorites. Yeah, it just it depends like on picking babies, the time like and picking, day. Like yeah. picking favorite kids? Exactly. Right. No, um, I would have to say I have a, a soft spot for Almond Joyfuls. It was one of my first things that I really started um, with infusing. And um, we don't have our nut butters on the market yet, but that's also a really good one for me um, because that came from developing that for somebody that was struggling with cancer and, and couldn't have sugar and had a lot of alert, um, allergies to some other things. 
And so that was a, a nice go-to product for them. And you know, that you end up with that sentimental tie to it. Yeah. But um, the Almond Joyfuls are great. I have those uninfused and infused <laughs> in my personal freezer all the time. Um, they're nice. I have a sweet tooth, so they're a nice uh, energy bite without um, all the junk. But it tastes like candy. And I love when I can convince my not-so-healthy eating friends. And they're like, what? This can't be good for you. Um, you know, so yeah, I like surprises like that. Okay. All right. Um, what is your role in AI, uh, AIMA? Uh, I'm a board member at large. Okay. Um, as I get more comfortable, you know, with, with the organization and understanding exactly how they're doing things and what they're doing, you know, on a state level as well, um, then, you know, I have no, um, nothing holding me back from moving a little bit, you know, farther for, forward with them. I feel like I'm, I'm honored and excited uh, to be doing something positive for the industry as a whole. Um, everybody's been so wonderful and welcoming, and I've made a lot of great friends and met a lot of really nice people, um, you know, solid from the ground up, that I'm excited that that's who I want to work with, that's who I want to be, a, you know, who I want to be a part of. Now, did you know you were going to be on the cover of Alaska Leaf no. for the <laughs> Women of Cannabis? No, that was so awesome. We had no idea. Um, Chase, actually, Chase Griffith at Permafrost w- sent me a message and said, hey, nice job, and sent me a picture, and I was like, oh my, is that the cover? So, that, yeah, that was, that was super exciting. Um, my mom, that's who we named the, the business of, the, the actual literal Lady Grey. That was a lot of fun to send her, because like I said, she's in a non-legal state. So um, we sent her a few copies, and uh, yeah, it was, it was really exciting. Um, I couldn't be happier. I was really grateful to see them um, put some spotlight on some ladies, um, you know, here throughout the state, because there's, there's a lot of us involved, and that was part of of me wanting to get into it um, as a female, too. That really drove me to, to want to be involved and, and have a name that is a, a feminine brand. And, um, you know, it's good. Okay. Uh, products. Any new products that you're rolling out that you want to discuss, that you're free to discuss, that you can discuss? <laughs> um, yeah, well, we've got one that, um, that just came out um, just this month, um, a mocha walnut muffin, okay. which is really nice um, for, the, like I said, they freeze well, and then they're, they're ready if you are, as far as if you, you know, enjoy that wake and bake session, or um, in the evening, they're just sweet enough without being a candy or anything like that. Um, so that's been fun to put something different, you know, and, and to, we kind of like to be outside of the box with our products that we're infusing. You know, that's kind of a, a signature for us that, that I want to continue um, to, to really put some surprising things together. Um, we, we do, we love um, espresso and chocolate, so that is in, in quite a bit of things. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's one thing rolling out. And then um, we'll have some, we've got a really nice variety of rosin strains um, on the market right now. We were doing some testing in our garden. Um, some different strains, um, Sluricane, White Apricot, Sherbert, um, some fun things like that that eventually will be um, available in flower too. And we're just starting to, to put some of our flower on the market. We're a limited cultivator, so um, not a lot, but it's nice to, um, to put that out there and get the feedback. You know, some people, oh yeah, com- this rosin uh, compared to the flower and, you know, different things yeah. like that. So yeah, that's been, that's been great to see. All right. Uh, anyone that you'd like to give a shout out to? Anything, any organization, any group? Uh, you know, I really have a soft spot for our Kenai Peninsula group. Um, everybody that's been involved, um, the people that show up for the meetings, um, that come out, that give feedback, that talk about things, um, that are open to helping and encouraging everyone, um, that's a big deal to me. And I'm really appreciative because, um, like I said, I walked in with, with no connections and, you know, I came out of nowhere. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and so that was a very warm welcome. 
and um, very encouraging. And, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with um, how much kindness I've seen come out of our, our area. It really makes me proud. There's a, there's a large, I mean, there's a large crew of cultivators here. Mm-hmm. Uh, last I heard that I, I did any major research in uh, was that we provide more cannabis than any other region of the state. So I think that it's, it's really important mm-hmm. that we do have the cultivators down here uh, that are organized. I think that it's important that you have the retailers involved. And mm-hmm. I think that it's important for consumers to know what all the hubbub is about. Yeah, Otherwise, it just seems like people fighting over wheat. Yes. Rather than these are like the 15 other issues that are involved. Uh, we're talking, and, and when it comes down to it, we're talking about uh, people keeping their kids involved in local programs. Uh, it's it's really weird that I like I see a lot of people that I know from the cannabis industry at all of the same uh, the same sports stuff, like to go see our kids. We see yeah. them at the same at the same uh, you know dance studio at right. the same. Right, we're uh, all interweaved yeah. in this community. Yeah, absolutely, um, and you know it's. You know, you're meeting people, and you're like, oh, you're involved? Oh, I, I met you a long time ago, and you were really cool. Well, glad I met you. Um, by the way, uh, I might have smoked pot in your yard. <laughs> it, it's been done before. It's apparently. Uh, I wasn't the only one. Um, that goes to everyone listening, including you, Dad. All right. Um, so anyone specifically, like, for me personally, like, I, I like... Um, I remember going uh, just a few years ago. It was almost say it's weird. A few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, even uh, like the vote no on one. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we've had a lot of a long, heavy support system, long, heavy support structure um, here on the peninsula. So I think it's good that we've got guys, uh, guys and gals like you, like like Lee Fable, uh, like like Tisha, mm-hmm. getting getting involved and getting active. Yeah, so. yeah. And Delinda Phelps, um, Janet Geller. Um, yeah, there's uh, Amy and Melissa. There's there's a lot of people um, that you know come out of this community that that really have a passion um, for it. That you know it shows absolutely, and I find it inspiring to be around and surrounded with those kind of people. Um, you know, because it's easy. Some things can trip you up and, and get you down, um, but having people around that you can call and say, hey, you know, what about this or what about that, and, and have a discussion and. Um, that helps my outlook stay positive. Absolutely, Chase Griffith, um, Ryan. Yeah, there's yeah, there's, there's lots, and I'm yeah. excited to to get to know more of them personally too through the AMIA. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Tasha. Thank you you everyone for listening. Um, And uh, if you're above the age of 21 and you live in Alaska, be sure to go to your your local fine uh, seller of not the block dude. Don't go to the block dude. He's not gonna. He's not going to have these. But if you go to, like, I don't know, any number of fine cannabis uh, institutions in the great state of Alaska, the great land of Alaska, you can buy yourself some. My personal, like, my personal favorite are the the buttermints. I like to... I like to pluck a couple of them out of the freezer and oh, yeah. Yeah, perfectly, just, yeah, yeah, perfectly minty. Great. Go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. All right. Uh, thanks a ton for your time. Thank you. All right.